Everything you know about health is about to change. Welcome to Straight Talk on Health with Dr. Vincent Medici. Sometimes people suffer, not from lack of faith, but from lack of knowledge. This is the show that changes that. If you are tired of being sick, tired of not getting answers, tired of spinning in circles, for healing is not a mystery. It is a miracle that you were designed to experience. It takes hard work and real knowledge. It takes patience and time. It takes the education this show can provide. So get it straight today. Here's Dr. Medici. Good morning. It is I. Welcome Saturday morning. Waiting for the burn to burn off so we can see the yellow beautiful sun. Are we now? A cooler summer. Hot for all of us on another level. The lies, the lies, the lies. Well, here's the thing. They can keep lying about COVID. I'm just going to keep telling the truth. And if this goes on forever, then we'll all meet the Lord someday and he can tell us the truth. I am not going to stop. There's no way. I don't know how to do this any other way. So it's been four or five weeks now since the face masks went back on across the nation from Florida to Georgia to Texas to California Mandatory, at least theoretically, according to the governors, and the case numbers are not getting smaller. Think about that. Think about the idea behind the mask. The idea behind the mask, since it's so important, since now these sickening, sickening commercials that you hear about how we're going to love each other by wearing the mask. I mean, this is pathetic. I don't want a neighbor that wears a mask. I want a neighbor I can depend on. I am a New York guy. You know who your friends are when you're in jail, when you're in the hospital, or when you're broke. And we've reduced this to this pittance of wear a mask, love your neighbor. Okay, fine. So we all went along with it from the beginning, and especially the last month, just when we thought we were out of the hole, came the declarations. And what have they done? Well, look at the case numbers. They haven't dropped. They've gone up. Look at the deaths. It takes tops two weeks for us to see the numbers reduced, death and cases. Has this happened? No. Is this going to happen? No. Why hasn't this happened? Because masks don't work. Done. Now, I don't know about you, but my life has been consumed by this. Why? Well, it's interesting why I'm a doctor and why. Well, this is where it's at now. You know, it used to be B.C. and A.D. Well, guess what? It's not B.C. and A.D. It's pre-COVID and post-COVID. Well, maybe not. But here's the thing. The world has changed. And if you're not sensing that something's going on, I don't know what to say. I pray for you. I seriously pray for you. If you can't see that things are adding up, is something going on here? Because this thing about we do what the science says, I don't know what science everybody else is looking at. It's not the science I see in publication. For every yo-yo online that tells me that masks work, I can give them 50 articles stemming all the way back to 20 years ago with influenza that say that these masks don't work. They're not that effective, and yet they have become so important. They have become, here's the word, the symbol. They've become the symbol. I want you to consider this, my fellow Christians, the symbol. Remember the American flag? 
What is that the symbol of today? Right? Think about it. That is a symbol that's supposed to, according to some, elicit our scorn, our disrespect. What's the new symbol? The symbol of love, the symbol of unity, the symbol of homogeneity, the symbol of all people from all nations, all races, colors, and creeds, from all countries, from all galaxies, holding hands together, wearing a black mask. Think about that. I want to puke every single day. I got to get used to this every single day. And then I got to do it unless I want a legion of lawyers, which I don't have. While you can talk, please beseech the rest of them to think about this. Or it will be a world of clones sooner than later. It is going down, and there is no science behind it. Second half of the show, I'm going to get a YouTube clip on from a guy named Del Bigtree. Del Bigtree. If you've seen the documentary Vaxed, Vaxed, that Robert De Niro did, Del Bigtree put it together. Del Bigtree's got a show. Just go to YouTube while he's still there. He's going to have on Senator Jensen out of Minnesota. If you see and listen to Senator Jensen out of Minnesota, Senator Jensen out of Minnesota is a family physician. He's a family physician and a state senator. Yes, he can do both at the same time and obviously very well. Senator Jensen, as a physician, was voted best doctor, doctor of the year. This is the guy you want to see. This is a sweetheart of a guy. This guy started telling everybody on air a number of months ago that he was being pressed, coerced, persuaded, compelled, forced to lie about the COVID numbers. If I had five minutes with Donald Trump, If I did, which I don't, but if I did, and if you do, please pass this on. Please, President Trump, straighten out the numbers. I mean, I don't get this. We're not doing the math on this. If you didn't know, a number of months ago, the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, mandated, told physicians to record death from covid in a whole new way, as compared to death from the flu. So back in the day before COVID, if you had a heart attack and the heart attack led to congestive heart failure and congestive heart failure led to pneumonia and you tested positive for COVID, no one would ever have said you died of COVID. On the death certificate, the underlying cause, the all-important underlying cause, the cause that the insurance companies are interested in, the cause that the actuaries of the insurance companies are interested in, the cause that's important, the cause that goes into the statistical analysis is when we look back at the world in hindsight, the cause of death would never have been COVID. It would have been heart attack. Now, you can have accompanying issues, and then you put down COVID, but you don't record the death as a death from COVID. Now, you can extrapolate out of that into millions of case scenarios. And the CDC changed that about four to five months ago. They changed it. So the death counts have been mounting up Illegally, illicitly, immorally, and unethically. And Senator Jensen has spoken out against this as a politician. 
And on Dell Bigtree's clip, which is on my website right now, which you can easily get yourself off YouTube, Senator Jensen is being investigated by the medical boards. They're after his license for doing what? For being a indiscreet physician, for making bad medical calls, for prescribing the wrong drugs, drugs for botching a surgery, for doing something absolutely unethical, immoral, no, for simply getting on air and telling people what was going on. And now he has to present to the medical boards. That is called censorship. Censorship on YouTube, censorship on Twitter, censorship on the radio, censorship on television, censorship through the press. And what are we doing about it? What are we doing about it? What are we doing about it? Is this the way we're going to lose? Is this what we're going to do? We're just going to crawl under a rock. Hey, you know, you're not thinking ahead. You got to think ahead. Because when the vaccine comes out, it's not going to be that effective. If we even get a vaccine, this isn't going to be more than 30, 40, 50% effective tops. It's not going to be 100% effective. And you understand the next thing that's going to come down. You understand you're like pigs. We're being treated like pigs in a, in a, in a, a pig factory being softened, plumped, conditioned, hormoned, ready for slaughter. Because... We're being taught to bow. That mask is a symbol of acquiescence to evil. It is a black mask for a reason. And we are being asked to acquiesce to something coming down the pipe that is undoubtedly going to be much, much worse. You know what that's going to be? Mandatory vaccines. There will be an argument, my fellow Christians, for mandatory vaccines within the next year or two. Mark my words. Take that to the bank and get ready. Now, we have enough science, enough highly credentialed, impeccably credentialed, impeccably seasoned scientists throughout the world that are telling Bill Gates to think twice and telling Dr. Fauci, who is highly invested, who was highly invested in the labs in Wuhan, and who we, at this point, have to at least question that association with a lab doing heavy research on the coronavirus. And oops, all of a sudden we have an outbreak that's causing censorship, that's flipped the world economy upside down, and that's, hey, Orange County. Hey, Orange County. Didn't you just vote? Didn't the school board just vote to bring the kids back to school? The kids? The kids, where every statistical analysis in the world shows that children 0 through 20 have a 0% death rate. They do not get sick. And Orange County, our local government, right a couple of weeks ago, votes to open the schools and Governor Newsom shuts it down. Because we're in a state of emergency. Doesn't this add up to you? It surely adds up to me. Okay. That's the theology. Now, the science. Here's a new one. Here's one I haven't elaborated on in the past. And that is the problem that we have with testing. Okay? You got to put your science mind on now and consider normally with a virus comes into your body 
and your innate immunity, your first line of defense, if you have one, attacks the virus. That's called macrophages. It's called your NK cells. It's called your dendritic cells. And what they do, especially the macrophages and the dendritic cells, is they eat the virus. The macrophage has tentacles like an octopus, and it wraps its tentacles around the virus, chews it up, puts it inside itself, and then spits out little speckles of the virus on its membrane. And those little speckles are there as an advertisement to other immune system cells that there's a virus that was just eaten, that there's a virus in the neighborhood. It's a flag. It's a red flag. And what other cell sees those little speckles on the macrophage or the dendritic cell? Those are your T cells. And I'll talk about T cells in a minute. The T cell comes over to the macrophage and binds to that little piece of virus that the macrophage through. So the macrophages and T cells, they're in cahoots with each other. They're communicating with each other. The dendrites and the T cells are communicating with each other. And this is the beginning of a storm of what we call the inflammatory response. And in the process, viruses die because those T cells that bind to the macrophage begin a sequence that ends up with the production of what we call a cytotoxic T-cell, another kind of T-cell. And that T-cell goes from house to house, and when it thinks there's a virus in the house, cell to cell, when it thinks there's a virus in the house or in the cell, the killer T-cell blows up the house. Your immune system has thousands of safeguards against COVID-19. And if you have a strong immune system, especially if you're younger, if you're not yet immunosenescent, if you're in the first 60 years of your life and you don't have comorbidities, your innate first line defense eats the virus and you don't even know you're sick. You might get a sniffle. You might feel like you're catching something. And then three hours later, it's gone. What doesn't happen, and here's the news. So this is the new piece of this. That's the classic interpretation of the first piece of a viral attack. What often happens, but not with the coronavirus as much, what often happens is after that T-cell thing occurs, the B-cells that's another kind of cell, the B lymphocytes, and I'll skip the science piece here, begin an antibody. The B cells will start making antibodies after the T cells are done. And then those antibodies will finish the job. So antibodies finish the job. So antibodies are what you better have cooking if the first part doesn't work. The antibodies, the B cells, as in boy, are called your adaptive immunity or your humoral immunity. So you have two immune systems, the innate and the humoral. Normally with a virus, smallpox. Normally with a virus, influenza. Normally with a virus, the swine flu. Normally with a virus, H1N1. 
Normally with a virus, the plague of 1918, the Spanish flu. Normally with those viruses, it's your lymphocytes, your B cells that bury the hatch, that keep you alive. Guess what we know? We know that with COVID, tons of people, the high majority of people, take care of COVID with the T cell. T is in Tom. It doesn't even get that far. Now, why is this important? Because when we test people, when we say we do IgG serology tests to see who's immune, who's been exposed and now has some immunity, we don't find anybody because it never gets to the antibody system. We don't have a lot of antibodies. We have a weak antibody response. Your kids, if they're exposed, have a weak antibody response because they swallow this thing, eat it up, spit it out, and put it back to the hell it came from before it gets to the antibody response. So you got all these clowns out there looking for serology, looking for the IgGs, and they don't find them because they're not there. And if they're there, they're weak. The response is so weak because the body says, why should I push out a bunch of IgGs, a bunch of antibodies, when we don't need them. Body smart conserves its energy. Now, this is a problem if you don't understand it. Why? Why is it a problem? Well, take Sweden. Sweden, because we're learning this piece of it. A ton of this we knew. But this piece of it now with the T cell instead of the B cell is something that we really didn't understand. We haven't dealt with that many viruses like this, obviously. At least it didn't get to publication. I'm sure somebody understood from the beginning. But it was very hard to find in the literature. And so what are we doing now? We're testing. We're saying we're testing. Anyone want to bet me that we're never going to test? We're testing more and more and more and more and more. This is a crock. Next to the population, we're not doing any testing. It doesn't matter. Florida, Texas, Georgia, New York. This is a lot of garbage. It's a lot of bull. And you know why? Because if we test, we're not going to find anything, and the puzzle's going to get bigger. If we test, we're not going to find immunity through the antibody system. And this is going to confuse everybody. Testing right now is being used as a hatchet. If we test you and you're positive, you're fingered, you're traced. But if we either tested everybody and found everybody was positive, which we won't, Good luck with herd immunity on this one. We're going to get herd immunity, but we're not going to be able to assay it through the antibody system. That's problematic. And again, if you followed Sweden, this has been the real problem with what the Swedes did. The Swedes have succeeded. The Swedes failed. Agnes Tegnell failed like everybody else, like Governor Cuomo failed, like most governors in the United States other than DeSantis failed to protect the elderly in the nursing homes. Sweden made the same mistake, and it cost them dearly. That aside, not to belittle it or underemphasize it, but that aside, Sweden's policy of a soft lockdown has worked because Sweden is clearly past this epidemic now. It is past their epidemic 
It's all over in Sweden. It ain't coming back. Whatever the Swedes have done, they are relatively immune to this. You are not going to see the case numbers skyrocket. You're not going to see the death skyrocket. You're not going to see anything get worse in Sweden. And they don't have to, because they don't have to come out of lockdown. It's done. But when they tested the Swedes, when they did the antibody testing, this is about six weeks ago, looking for herd immunity looking for the payoff that epidemiology in Sweden from Gisek to Tegnell to the whole crew there was expecting to measure a high herd immunity, meaning a higher percentage of people had now been exposed, made their antibodies, were at least immune for a year or two, and they did it. They couldn't get a respectable number. They were down at 7%. And so the world jumped on them. They jumped on them. They ate them for breakfast. They said, you see, you murderers, you killers, all that one world communist just bunk, that globalist bunk, you're murderers, you're sinners, you don't care about the elderly. Are you kidding me? The way the accusations fly when you present with a ton of science behind you an alternate view is the beginning of the end. We've seen this with the Bolsheviks. We've seen this with Mao. And we're seeing it again in our own country. And you need to stand up to this. You need to be aware of it. Because for once, you cannot hide under a rock and expect this to go away. So Sweden stands up. Sweden sets itself a course, and Sweden then looks to see a 30, 40, 50% herd immunity and can't find it. That's because the Swedes didn't produce antibodies, and they don't produce antibodies because they don't need to. Your kids, most of us, are beating this without the lymphocyte. That makes this virus a bully, a bully. And while we fail to understand that, While we ran around in circles hiding under rocks, we failed to protect who we needed to protect because this virus as a bully is ruthless to the elderly with comorbidity. And we could have fixed this so easily. You know, if I could have had control second time round, if you have, if you study Every different country, in every different country's approach, there are a few commonalities, but one of them, from Germany to Vietnam to South Korea to Japan, is very efficient contact tracing. Contract, contact tracing is like a house. You have a house that houses 2,000 people, a huge house, and one day somebody gets the sniffle and they're sick. And you catch it instantaneously. And you take that person, and because you've put aside money and resource, because taxpayer money has really gone into protecting the elderly, that individual is taken out of the house and put into a separate facility where they are completely and totally isolated from the community. And in a week, if you get two more infections in that house, you remove those people. And if you track like that, Because you track like that and because you caught the virus early, instantaneously, because you had that luxury and privilege and then you employed, you took advantage of the privilege 
you can shut down a virus, at least for as long as you're willing to contact trace. That's how you do it. That's what worked. Now, that couldn't have worked in Europe in most of those countries. It couldn't have worked in the United States. And one of the reasons it couldn't have worked is by the time we really got into this, it had spread too far. That's like saying if you had a house with 2,000 people in it, and by the time you started aggressive contact tracing, lots of people were exposed. Once that happens, you're not going to get out of it by contact tracing. And this is why this idea that New York's going to contact trace or California is going to contact trace or I heard your friend had it. And if your friend had it, well, you're going to get a call and everyone's going to ask you where who you spoke to and you're all going to go get written down as actual COVID cases, and then you might even be quarantined. You heard about the apartment building they locked down in Ventura County? Did you hear about that? Go on and look. They locked down an entire apartment complex because one person got sick. You see, we think we're going to do this like it's effective. It's way too late to do this. Israel did it. South Korea did it. Japan did a version of it. Some countries nailed it very early, and that's actually effective. Some things do work. Masks are not one of them. Some things do work. Social distancing works. As long as this thing is not purely airborne, which is debatable, but right now it looks like the virus has to transmit in liquid. And if that liquid's very small, six feet, eight feet will reduce it. Washing your hands works. But the mask, I am telling you, there's something bad about that mask. And don't believe me. Look at the number of studies from influenza. And yes, it's valid to use influenza. It's a virus just as small that's very similar. We know the masks don't work. So there's rights and there's wrongs, but the wrongs have implications. Senator Jensen, if you find that guy incredulous, if you find that guy insincere, if you can suspect that guy of an ulterior motive, you need to check yourself. Because that man is telling the truth. And you need to take that deep because the numbers were being given by the media, those numbers are being used by our political system to make decisions about the future of our life. We don't even know the impact on our economy yet. I'll see you guys next week. I'm going to put another hour on later, catch the second half of the show. I'm going to get more into detail. God bless you. I'll see you next week. Okay, that's a wrap. Don't forget to get to Dr. Medici's website at drmedici.com to look at the pictures and review the show as often as you wish. See you next week. Okay, part two. Part one hit the spot for me. I hope it did for you. Let's take our time now, though. And really appreciate all the different angles on this. This is such a layered issue, isn't it?
And there's so many elements here. Political, theological, philosophical, historical, and then the science. That's that's a almost a, a nauseating cliche at this point. Everybody uses that line of shit. I only stick to the science. You wouldn't know science, Jack, if it clanged you over the head. I don't see a lot of science anywhere. Science isn't something that's as obvious as you think it is. And it's not that you need impeccable degrees to do science, but you gotta have you gotta have a clear head. And a lot of impeccably credentialed people don't. And a lot of people with no credentials do. And that makes it even more complicated because common sense in a way says listen to your experts like Fauci. And this is this is a very, very, very compromised man. So you keep lying about COVID, I'll keep telling you the truth. Bottom line. This fight's going to go on all the way into vaccines. They are going to try to mandate vaccines off this. This is a globalist plot. There's no two ways about it. And I can't go so far as to say this thing was set loose for the expressed intention of bringing about the crisis that it did. I won't go there, but I will go as far as to say... We have managed this like a bunch of raging imbeciles. And that makes me very suspicious. So with that, let's begin. Okay, uh, I'm going to go to a guy that shares my sentiment. This is Del Bigtree. If you don't know Del Bigtree, you should. He did Vaxed, V-A-X-E-D, with De Niro. We need more people like him, and let, let's open him up now. Let's open this first YouTube clip up, and I'm going to do what I like to do. I'm going to let you listen to it, then I'm going to cut it, and we're just going to comment, and we'll do that. I've got two videos on, both with Dell Bigtree hosting and talking to uh, Newt Witkowski, who's my hero out of all of this. That's the guy that's really, really, to me, been the supreme commander of, of, of clear thought, clear conscience, and true science. So let's go here. Let's start with the exit strategy. This is video one. And you can listen to it through my, through my podcast here. That way, when I stop it, it stopped. So here we go. He's coming on right now. Should the lockdown continue? This is what he had to say all the way back then. When unemployment. So this is a guy, Toby Rogers, that's been on Big Tree's show. And this is the thing. If, as Cuomo says, if we save one life, you see, and what the jackass is not understanding is, is that for every life we save, we lose five. There's payback on the other end, and it's harsh. 
meaning the economic piece to this, the anxiety, the depression, the rage, everything that goes with it is costing life. And it's not just one-sided. It's not just that it's okay to turn the world upside down to save one life because we care. It's that doing that, you lose 50. And that's what this guy, Toby Rogers, he's an economist, is pointing out. Political economist, he calls himself. Just listen to what he has to say. It increases, lots of people die. We have very good data on this. Five years after unemployment goes up by 1%, 36,000 people are dead as a result of unemployment. And about half of those deaths are from heart attacks, um, but you also see other what are called deaths of despair. So increases in alcoholism, increases in suicide, and you see more people. This has been so well studied. This is so much more studied and understood than the virus itself. The cost of doing what we're doing is real. And in the balance of trade, just on the children thing alone, when our stats strongly suggest no kids get sick, and there's way more argument on the side of kids don't transmit against what this guy's saying. Why isn't this the way we're looking at it? And again, when it's that glaringly obvious, there's an agenda at work. Again. End up in mental hospitals. Last year, they found that 39% of Americans, 39% of Americans would have trouble covering an unexpected expense of $400. That's because they live paycheck to paycheck. They don't have more than $400 in reserve. 51% of small businesses in America will fail if the economy is locked down for 90 days. What we're seeing in unemployment claims around the country are 10 to 12-fold increases in unemployment claims already. That's Great Depression levels of unemployment. What does this nation look like after 18 months of some form of lockdown while we wait for this mythical product. We're in uncharted territory here. This and he's not kidding. We have never done this to the world. We have never shut down the world for anything. And we're not going to have a vaccine. And you want to talk about the dangers of the vaccine? If we rush it? And even if we get one, 30%, 40% effective? What's going on now, you see, it isn't hitting you yet. But the net effect of what started and hitting lots of us over six months, eight months, 12 months plus, this is a cost we're not calculating yet. And it's as this guy says, we're in uncharted territories. This doesn't sound good. Even if Trump wins, the majority right now in this country are on the side of lockdown. Or we'd have a couple of hundred thousand in California up in Sacramento tomorrow. 
Most people still think masks are the answer. The lockdown's good. It's because we hide under a rock and shut our businesses that were containing the virus. We're still nuts. What this tells me is we have been successfully, psychologically manipulated. Not all of us, but enough of us to sustain this insanity. And that's the moral of this. You know, when we were kids, our parents called it the boob tube. They didn't know how right they were. And it went from that boob tube to the computer and then to Facebook and Twitter and the rest of it. And we can't tell pejoratively right from left anymore. And that is the bottom line. That's really what comes out of this. There's no model for this. There's no textbook. But common sense tells us that we would never make it to 18 months. That was four months ago. I'm now joined by Toby Rogers. Um, all right, Toby, we're four months into this thing since we last spoke. Um, you saw some of the things that you were saying then. Uh, do you feel like you maybe overstated it or are we on track? What is the state of the union as we speak today? Thanks for having me on the show, Dell. Um, unfortunately, the estimates I made four months ago are still right on track. So I had a lower bound, a middle, and then an upper bound estimate, and we're right about. Let me tell you what I do. I don't know what you do. What, let me tell you what I do. Any place I have a reasonable relationship with the people I do business with, I ask them, how are you going to do over the next four months? And it's serious. Not everybody but it's serious. I'm no economist. It's the last thing I understand. But I'll tell you right now, it'll double and beyond over the next six months. Now, we have about 30 million people on unemployment right now. That'll be 60 million. The small businesses, listen, they got by on PPP, maybe SBA loans. Some of us got by on unemployment. This isn't going to last. Good luck getting another PPP. I don't see our politicians relenting, especially in the blue states. And that's what this guy's talking about. Now, he does understand the economy. He has his doctorate in political economy. But in the middle band estimate. Um, Jeffrey Jackson did a beautiful job of explaining some of the economic trends that we're seeing, and they're all troublesome. So the point I made in the Depths of Despair article that I... All right, enough. Enough. It's just too much at a certain point, isn't it? All right, let's move on down the line to my hero, Witkowski. He pulled Witkowski out. Well, where's Witkowski hiding out? He's in New York, but... Where, I wonder. Okay, this is Nut Newt Witkowski. If you don't know, head of epidemiology, 20 years at the Rockefeller Institute. No, he's not a virologist. Thank God he's not an MD. No, he's not a research scientist in, in, in science. But he's got his doctorate in computational computer science, meaning he's a stats guy. But it's all applied to epidemiology. 
and he ran the game at the Rockefeller Institute for 20 years. So you can't get better along the lines of epidemiology. And thank God, thank God this man spoke up. He has been the voice of reason. Big Tree thinks exactly as I do. And listen to this guy just take it over right now. One, this thing's no worse than the flu. Two, we were idiots to close the schools. Three, while we were dancing around with our heads up our asses, trying to take care of things that didn't need to be taken care of, we didn't take care of the elderly. There's number three. That's Witkowski. Now, it's done, he says. It's gone. The Northeast is done. It came in, it did its thing, and it's over with. Point being here, and Big Tree will ask him, Florida, Georgia, Texas, California, where we see numbers rising. If they are even rising, remember, they don't get into this in this one. But the other issue becomes, how are they hyperinflating deaths? How are they hyperinflating the cases? But that aside, he's simply pointing out, that is Witkowski, you'll hear him in a moment, he's simply pointing out that what we did when we flattened the curve with our lockdowns, which came maybe a little bit more appropriately timed than New York, which was obviously too late. The Northeast obviously got it too late. But Witkowski's saying that the South, the Southeast, the Southwest, they at least timed it just fortunately, a little bit more appropriately, and so they're getting hit a little bit later. That's what he says. I don't know if I agree with that, honestly. I really don't. I don't think Witkowski gets involved with, nor should he, I think, in how corrupt these numbers are. Because if they're as corrupt as many say, Jensen included, from every sense of sensibility, you ought to cut them by 50%. That's how bad this is. You know, it's interesting. So many people like Jensen will come out and say, I'm a physician. The Anderson guy, Anderson up there in Bakersfield, will come out. I'm a practicing physician. These numbers are lies. But then someone says, well, we've lost 150,000. People are slow to turn around and then say, yeah, you should cut that in half. It's not 150,000, it's 75,000. Well, let me say that to you, because it is, because that's how much lying is going on. Do not doubt me on this. Let's listen to Witkowski. 25 to 44, that's 3,346. Here's what happened. That's 16,000 for the risk of walking down the street. But this is the biggest risk group we have. No, take take this. Listen right. to Big Tree here. He's going to be talking be about so I, I'm the risk, which is less than at a, an hour and thirty six minutes into it. Dell has a gra a table here, citing the risk of being of of dying from COVID, and the risk from the age of zero to twenty four is one in 250,000. One in 250,000. The risk of dying from COVID between the ages of 25 and 44 is one in 17,000. The risk of dying from COVID between 45 and 65 is one in 2,500. And the risk of dying by COVID over the age of 65 is one in 500 which is about the same number that you risk when you cross the street from getting hit by a car and dying. 
And that's the way that works. You take about as much risk as a geriatric, 65 and up, dying from COVID once contracted, as you take crossing the street. You can trust these statistics. This guy doesn't come on with the following he has and make mistakes with numbers. This is the guy, Del Bigtree, that produced the film Vaxxed. Vaxxed. So when you have that kind of notoriety, when, you have got, when you're under the spotlight like that, you don't make those kind of mistakes. Now let's, he's going to bring on Witkowski now. Walking down the street. And think about how close we are. We are so close. Knut Wachowski from the Rockefeller Institute. I think it said Roosevelt. Rockefeller Institute is joining me now. You've been all over the news. You've been tweeting a lot about this, talking about herd immunity. I'm talking about an exit strategy. Uh, I want to get to herd immunity. Do you agree that it's possible? Yes, definitely. I think in large parts of the country, we're already there, at least in the Northeast. Really? So explain that to me. You think we're already reaching herd immunity. We're right there because I'm saying, let's take a month. Let's lock down the elderly. So up in New York, uh, they're terrified. Cuomo doesn't want anybody visiting New York. You think New York has made it? Are they there? We have for six weeks now, less than 2% of all people who get tested are positive. So more than 98% are already not infected even though the virus is spreading. So the, there is no virus spreading. Sorry, I'm getting a bit confused. There is no virus spreading anymore for six weeks or more in New York City. And that means we have herd immunity because other people are coming and nobody gets infected anymore. All right, so Witkowski is saying in the Northeast, despite Andrew Cuomo's whatever and the other idiot governors there. The numbers are dropping in New York. If the virus was spreading, the numbers would be rising. Now, regardless of what testing, and if you listen to the first part of the show, it's clear that testing isn't going to be able to determine what the immunity is. And that's because of the T cell, and we'll get into that later. This is something that was in the literature quite a while back. It was certainly something that made sense to me. If you listen to the prior shows, it was something that, that I got behind at least six, eight weeks ago. And the reason is the numbers never added up, meaning the number of deaths against the population with the amount of time the virus had to spread didn't make any sense, meaning the, percent, the percents were, were too low for this to be as dangerous as they said. But when we did antibody or serology testing and looked for the IgGs, we didn't see immunity. Sweden was one great example, as I said in the first half, of where this, this flag was dropped originally. And sure enough, at this point in New York State, we're positive, Witkowski's saying, we're positive, it's done. He's saying they have reached, the Northeast has reached herd immunity. Enough people have been infected. Enough people are resistant. And the proof of it is, 
And this you can take to the bank, not just me, but Witkowski. Enough people have been infected, so it's not going to spread. Now, in the face of the fact that the antibody tests don't support that, comes our understanding of the T-cell. And we're going to get into that later on, T-cell immunity. I've got pictures. I want you to take a look at it so you understand that in a little bit more detail. God made the resistance so multi-layered. And you just marvel at it. If you're not going to defend yourself one way, the body will figure out another way. And there's so many different ways that your body's designed to work for your immunity against infection. And against that, we hide under a rock and pray for a vaccine. No respect for the human organism. Listen to Witkowski. And that's the goal, right? I mean, that's what we've been talking about. The goal was to try and reach this. Now, I've been concerned that the lockdown uh, really kept us, may have kept us from getting to the goal. Uh, masks, I mean, there's been an argument. Do masks work? Do they not work? I just said at the top of the show, we're still seeing an increase of cases, you know, with masks. Yeah, what Big Tree is saying, and again, needs to be said, so thank you, Dell. We've been in lockdown again, right? Moonbeam's successor up there, Newsom, mandated this vac- the, the mask about a month ago. That's one month. In two weeks, we have to see the numbers drop. If masks work, and you can see, observe for yourself, a lot more people... The businesses are shut again. The people are wearing the masks a lot more. They're paranoid about social distancing. We should have seen after two weeks. Now it's four weeks. We should have seen from two weeks ago numbers dropping. Numbers are still where they are. Numbers and cases are still going up according to the stats. And this to me is where it's complicated because if the numbers are true, the masks obviously don't work. And if the numbers are a lie, which I think they are, well, we can't say that about masks then. Big Tree is assuming that these numbers are valid, that Florida and Georgia and Texas and Arizona and California are reporting the truth. I don't think they are, but let's assume they are. Big Tree's point is that means the masks don't work. Where are we at with California? If what you're saying, if we're at herd immunity, someone's going to say, well, California's spiking, you know, Georgia's spiking, Texas is still going up. What do you have to say about those states? Okay, in the Northeast, we were lucky. The virus came here before the lockdown. So when the lockdown came, the virus had already spread, and we already were on our way to have herd immunity. The lockdown didn't do anything. In the south and in the west, the lockdown came earlier. (laughs) Do you love Witkowski or what? This isn't some guy in a bar. This is 20 years heading epidemiology at the Rockefeller Institute. And he's saying in New York, where he was, we were lucky. I mean, that's a wild statement. We were lucky because... (laughs) The virus was there so long that when we started lockdown, lockdown did nothing. And so 
the Northeast was allowed to reach herd immunity. And Witkowski saying that is why it's done in the Northeast. I mean, the numbers have dropped drastically because of the masks and the lockdown. No, Witkowski saying because, as he puts it, they were lucky. The virus had already mixed deep into the population before the lockdown. It's passed through. It's done what it's supposed to do with nature. Minus, and Witkowski's the first to shed a tear over this, minus what happened in the nursing homes, which he says is because we were lying to ourselves about the virus, the pandemic, and the whole thing. But that aside, it's done. Now, the South and the Southwest, what Witkowski's saying is simple. It happened later, and the lockdown started before the virus got that deeply entrenched, and that's why the lockdown flattened it, not in the interest of making sure the hospitals didn't overflow, because that was a crock everywhere, but it flattened, the lockdown flattened it just as long as it would take to kind of obviously depress numbers. And then when we came out of lockdown... We caught the back end, and that's what he's saying is occurring now. I don't know if that's true against the fact that these states are lying. There's too many doctors like Jensen, like Anderson, et al., making that issue of how they falsify death certificates. So I don't know, but listen to what he has to say. Relation to the virus, and so it flattened the curve. And so it took longer. And now people see that the infections that were delayed are happening now. And so do you, you know, so the question is, do lockdowns work? That would be my question to you because we keep thinking, maybe we need to lock down again. Uh, do masks work? Do lockdowns work in your mind? It seems that the lockdown has slowed down the spread of the virus a bit. However, that doesn't change the basic problem. And the basic problem is we have to get to the level of herd immunity. And so if we're slowing the spread of the virus, it takes more time. Yeah. Now, you see, this is what I love about Wachowski. It's all in a nutshell. It's you can go into a lockdown and maybe you'll slow it down a little bit. Okay, for the first six weeks it made sense because theoretically the hospitals were going to be overloaded. This never happened, of course. We had more than enough ventilators. Often we used ventilators and we hurt people. Absolute misunderstanding, botch, but okay, all forgiven. After six weeks and flattening the curve, there was no argument to continue the lockdown. And he's saying... And this is the point. It doesn't fix the basic problem. You have to come out of lockdown. The virus is still there. It's still going to eat you. So then you go back to lockdown. And all of a sudden, the whole purpose of how we deal with this is what? It wasn't to make sure the hospitals didn't get overloaded. It's to prevent death at any given moment by some theoretical application of a lockdown that no historical commentary would support. And what does that serve to do? 
And this, again, well, he's not going to go there, but I am. This is exactly where the agenda is, to prolong it. You want to deal with COVID in four months, America? Or you want to deal with it in three years? Here's a formula for four months. Protect the elderly, really spend money, spend real money, and let everyone else do their thing. And if you think you've got a comorbidity and you're under 65, that you can just lock yourself down to, and the government will support that. And enough at a certain point with, if we save one life, you see, because what you do is, is you cost many more. So this save one life thing, uh-uh. And this save one life thing with the mask when masks don't work, uh-uh. And this save one life thing with the masks doesn't, doesn't take into account the damage we're doing to ourselves psychologically. It's very difficult to unify people when half their face is covered in a black rag. It's very difficult. And we're not succeeding at it. And if you notice it, people are more suspicious. There is less love. There is more animosity. There is more suspicion. There is more just weird feeling everywhere you go. And why not? You don't know who you're looking at anymore. Eyes can say a certain amount. But man... You know, we're social creatures. We're meant, we thrive on these interactions. And now it's all gone. And there's a price to pay there. And if you're going to give me an argument on the other end of it for lockdown and everything, you better be right. Because we know the costs on the other side are real. And if you're going to ask us to accept that, then you better make sure the the, the benefits on your end are real. And would you have that many, long before COVID, hundreds of articles challenging the efficacy of these stupid rags we put on front of our face? You add this up and you tell me, do we have an agenda? And so all we did is really slow it. Now, I thought that was the goal. I mean... When we said we wanted to flatten the curve, originally the idea was just so that we don't have all of the whatever 0.26% or whatever that death rate was going to be, all of it hit our ICUs at the same time. But it seems like the languaging started changing. Once we were flattening the curve, which I think arguably looked like it did slow the virus down, we didn't overrun our hospitals. Then the language changed. Well, we're not going to come out. We want to keep it flat until we get to a vaccine. So my question is, um, will the vaccine be here in time? Because as I just was talking with Toby Rogers, an economist earlier, I mean, we're having devastating effects here in America. And I don't see how a vaccine in its best day gets here uh, before the next 12 months, which we're gonna be in ruin. I mean, our unemployment, you know the numbers. We're in a horrific situation here in America. This guy's not kidding. This is not sensationalism. This is not sensationalism. Watch the rest yourself later. Wachowski's going to go on to say, open the economy up and cut the crap. Other angles on Wachowski you can listen to on the lower one. 
What I want to do now is get into what I scratched on in, in the first half, and that is the immune system and this thing about the T-cell. Again, to determine if you have the virus, we look for the virus itself, not an intact piece of the virus, not the intact virus, not the live virus, but we look for its pieces of it. So if the arm or the leg fall off the virus, theory, I mean, metaphorically, it doesn't have an arm and a leg, but chunks of the virus will come out in the blood, in the stool, in different fluids. And the point is, is that if you can find out the DNA sequence of these shreds of virus in a technology called polymerized chain reaction, I've done it dozens of times in the labs. You can then test and see if that virus is present or shreds of it are present. And once done, you know that that person has the virus in them and confirmed by PCR. That's one way you can determine that a person's been exposed to the virus or in the case of PCR, actually has the virus brewing and active. The IgG, the serology test, the antibody test, is the one that tells us not so much that you have the virus, but that you had the virus. And when you're IgG positive, it's an indication that you had the virus and may well not be contagious anymore that in fact you simply had it you beat it you resisted it now you're immune to it but it tells us important things and when we say herd immunity theoretically as it's been with other viruses if there are a million people in a city and five hundred thousand test positive meaning 500,000 have been exposed, and they have IgGs, they have antibodies. You now know that 50% of the million, 500,000, have been exposed. And you say, and again, these numbers, percentages change depending on the, the r naught and a whole bunch of other things, but that's not my point. You can determine what percentage, through the math, through the stats, of people have to be infected via serology testing, IgG testing, to make the claim that enough people now are infected and on that basis, you can't transmit anymore. The society will not see numbers increasing. The virus will just burn out. And that's the way it works with a normal virus. Well, the real news is it doesn't work with COVID-19. And we should have taken this hint from the kids and I've been saying this for months. Because in the end, what the fact that the kids beat this, that from the beginning kids didn't get it, and that we knew this from the beginning, meant that the innate immunity handled this. And now the research is coming out. Now the research is finally finding out the reason you can't determine herd immunity via serology testing. You can only infer infer herd immunity 
by the numbers. So let me say that again. Because that's really important to wrap yourself around. We can't determine herd immunity through IgG testing. Because not enough people get resistant through the IgGs, through the humoral immunity. They get, as it turns out, with this virus, uniquely so, they get immune through their T-cells which is more an innate immune function. And this is what Witkowski is saying now. It's out in the literature now. It accounts for the reason Sweden, even though we knew it was over, couldn't substantiate it. And it's the reason it's over in the Northeast and we can't substantiate it. But that's the way it works. And again, T-cell immunity is everywhere. What I put on the show in the pictures, first picture one, the macrophage, picture two, the dendritic cell, picture three, the T cell. And then if you go to picture four, I want you to learn this. It's just fascinating. There's your um, picture four, the purple macrophage. And... There is a infected cell that it appears to be chewing. And what it does when it chews it up is it spits it out in its membrane and that attracts, as you can see below, a memory T cell and a helper T cell. They release cytokines the cytokines initiate other immune system cells. And ultimately, all of this cascades into the maturation and amplification, the proliferation of your ninja, your killer T. It's your killer T cell off the macrophage. So it's the production, proliferation, maturation of the T cells to the killer T and then the killer T has that unique quality of scanning the cells and being chemo attracted to what the infected cell will signal on its membrane. And so this cascade beginning with the macrophage to the helper T's, the naive T's, the, the memory T's, all cascades down to the ninja cell. The cell that hits the cell that's infected and eats the infected cell, destroys the infected cell, and there at the end of the cascade is a dead cell. There's a lot of sequences around what I just said. Look at a different one, picture five, which is a T cell. I, I like this one more because it's going to show you, this is picture six, when you see the macrophage there, you see on the left of the macrophage is a virus. That's the coronavirus proper. And when the macrophage eats it, if you look at the, the, the diagram to the right of the macrophage, you see a macrophage, and in its membrane is something that looks like the coronavirus. Well, 
it actually isn't, but it's a... Oh, wait a minute. No. That's the artist's rendition of the macrophage eating the coronavirus. So I apologize. So this is picture six. The macrophage on the left side, top left, is about to interact with the virus to the extreme left. And once it does, the macrophage eats it. And that's what the macrophage on the right is showing. And then spits out a piece of it as what is termed an antigen in its membrane. And that antigen will draw a helper T cell. The helper T cell, once that helper T cell is bound, it'll begin another cascade whereby it secretes chemical called interleukin. Interleukin is part of what actually turns on the cytotoxic T cell and causes the cytotoxic T cell to replicate. So it activates the cytotoxic T and it causes it to proliferate. And of course, the cytotoxic T, that's the killer. The cytotoxic T travels, looks for the cell which is infected, and that infected cell gives off signals in its membrane to tell the cytotoxic T it's infected and deserves to die, and the cytotoxic T cell obliges it. Really, really slick. Really, really slick. So you got this macrophage T cell dance resulting in the death of the cell that'll eat COVID. A cell that's infected by COVID will be liquidated, destroyed by an activated cytotoxic T cell. Something similar, and I'll skip that piece, occurs with the dendritic cells. So your macrophages and your dendritic cells are your first line of defense. They comprise your innate immunity. They both turn on the T cells. Different sequences, but it amounts to the same thing. And between the macrophages that eat the virus, the dendritic cells that eat the virus, and the T cells that kill the cells that are infected by the virus, if you're good there, you're good. If your innate immunity is strong, you don't get sick. You don't have to get into the B cell response. And if you do, which lots of people do, the antibody response to the B cells is slight. It's weak. Perhaps collectively it's undetectable. Now, who's going to have a strong first line of defense? The kids. And who's going to have a weak line of defense? The adults. Especially the ones whose immune systems are all used up with disease already. And that's the comorbidity piece. So over the age of 65 and comorbid, over the age of 80 and comorbid, duck. And it's what I said at the end of February, the beginning of March. This virus is a bully. It's not tough. It doesn't go after you and hurt you if you've got any resistance. But if you're very vulnerable, it is wicked. So the only piece of this that's really on the side of danger is, of course, cytokine storm. A cytokine is a chemical that initiates other immune system cells 
into the melee we call the inflammatory process. And when the macrophages are relentlessly, are out of control in the production of the cytokine and release of the cytokine and evade or dominate the counter cue, meaning when the macrophages, the pro-inflammatory macrophages, don't get the parasympathetic vagal impulse. Cytokines go into insanity, and we term it cytokine storm. And so between the cytokines, the pro-inflammatory macrophages, your lungs, your kidney turns to jelly. And this is how we lose people. They have to be weak, and then it's the immune system that destroys them. It's not the virus. It's the immune system. It's an enormously unbridled immune response. Now, if you have the first line of defense, if your macrophages, if your dendritic cells, if your T cells were there, if your bone marrow was strong and pumping them out, if it was all there, you don't get sick. That's why kids don't get sick. But if you go to picture seven, if you're immunosenescent, there is a science called immunosenescence. It simply means as you age, your immune system cells don't move. They don't move too quickly. And the bone marrow is burned out, and so you don't produce enough of them. And the collective effect of every phase of what we call strong immunity disappearing for a variety of reasons renders you a sitting duck for a ruthless, evil bully. And that's the only shot COVID-2, COVID-19 has at anybody. you got to be weak enough to go down. Now, not understanding this, and we should have understood it, has done this. And when you hear Del Bigtree effectively say, if this goes on, we are going to have tragedies. He's not kidding. And offhand, I think we're going to see President Trump take the election. And then we're going to think, if I had to predict, and again, I'm just predicting here. This isn't my field, but I have a good snooter. I think 2020-21 is when we're going to see the economic piece of this. So if I were you, I'd think ahead and I'd hang on. Too many people are blowing whistles on this. And it only makes sense. It only makes sense that what we've had to do to compensate for our choice to shut down the world is going to come back to us. Remember, many, many, many people, as the political economist and Del Bigtree et al. are saying, many, many businesses are riding on handouts from the government. Sooner or later, it's payback time. That time should come fairly soon. So brace yourself for the second piece, and don't say I didn't tell you. And let's all hope I'm dead wrong. One thing I'm not dead wrong about is what I told you today about the virus. 
It's a crock. It's done. And if it was correctly recorded, it would still be no worse than the flu, except for that niche group. And that niche group we never protected because we were lying to ourselves about all the other things about COVID. And it was a lie. That's why we had guys like Wachowski and Ioannidis from the beginning saying, would you please get a grip on this? Because we're not understanding it. So I'm going to call it a lie. If it wasn't a lie, it was an omission of the truth. And it ain't over. So they can keep lying. I'm going to keep telling the truth. And that's the way it is. All right, guys, we'll see you next week. Study the shows, spread them, tell your friends, get in the face of people respectfully, but get in the face of people who are too ignorant to understand and turn them on if you can. That's what I do in your own special way. That's what you do. God bless you. See you next week.